If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want to invite you to open up to Acts 28. We're going to be taking a look at the close of the book of Acts. Some have said, I thought this day would never come. You're probably right. But it's here. It's amazing, huh? Another book down. Um, I don't know, you guys ever experienced in, in Acts chapter 28, what I see is, uh, have you ever ended up in a place different than the, the place you thought you were going? You ever thought you were going someplace and ended up someplace different? A road had some unexpected twists and turns in it. You know, we, we often see uh, that occurring in our lives. In fact, I, I, was, I was reminded of it uh, this morning. Uh, I didn't tell the story this morning, but I, I saw Brian Bridwell come in and he was happy. And when Brian comes in on a, on a Sunday and he's happy, it means that the Chargers have already won. Now, then I saw Barry come in. So, so Barry comes in with a slightly different look on his face because he's a Denver fan. And, and Brian and Barry got this deal. And so whichever one's team wins when they play each other, the other guy's got to wear the other team's shirt. So Barry's not going to show himself to you right now because he's wearing a Charger shirt. But it wasn't that long ago, and Brian was wearing a Denver shirt. So now you guys kind of get an idea. Now each of them, I'm sure Barry for sure, saw Chargers are playing Denver. This is a piece of cake. Denver wins this 9 out of 10 times. Sometimes the road takes a slightly different turn, doesn't it? That's why they play the game. Well, maybe some of you say, Jackie, what are you talking about football? I don't understand. That's a dumb game anyway. Well, I'll give you another example. When... uh, when Kathy and I were uh, younger, <laughs> when we only had two children, after uh, our second child, that's kind of when God got a hold of my life. And I started going to Bible college. I started changing some of the direction I was in. For years, and maybe some of you ladies are here today, for years, Kathy come to church by herself every Sunday. And I was at home. I didn't have time for that church stuff. And for years and years and years, she's prayed for me, and eventually God got a hold of my heart. And I started walking with the Lord, I started studying, I started going to Bible college, man, all kind of crazy things are happening. Uh, I find myself working for a church, and Kathy and I are trying to have a, a baby, want to have another, uh, another child. So um, when she got pregnant, I was so excited, because this will be the first baby I'll name out of the Bible. So I open up the Bible and I'm like, babe, what are we going to name our son? You know, and, and, and uh, so we start rolling through and we had been waiting so long to have uh, a baby that the Lord led us to Genesis and we picked Joseph. Joseph means God adds. And, and so we felt like God was adding to our family. Good things are happening. And, and then, you know, when you have a child, right, you have all these plans for them. You guys have that, right? You guys get where I'm coming from? You have all these ideas where they're going to go, what they're going to do, you know, what's going to happen. I have all my children's lives planned out for them. All they got to do is check with me and I can get them on track any given moment. So you have all these ideas and these plans. But when Joe was three years old, he got diagnosed with autism. At the time, you know, I'm not really sure what all that means, but I heard a story. It really helps illustrate this point. And the story was, you know, when you're, when you're having a baby, you have all these plans for them. It's like you got on a plane thinking that you were going to Hawaii. But instead of getting to Hawaii, you ended up in Florida. 
It's not that Florida is necessarily bad. It's just different, a different place than what you thought you were going to go to. We had different plans for how life was going to go. We really didn't have any idea. I think that's why God doesn't tell us all the parts that are a part of that. He just has us live those things one day at a time. Because when Joseph was little, we might have been a little stressed out about the fact that we were going to change diapers till he was nine. But God didn't tell us that. It just, that's the way it went. And maybe we'd have been a little stressed out of the idea after having already two sons that, that our child was not ever going to talk to us. Or walk up to you and say, I love you. Now, the other side of that's true. He's probably not ever going to say, I hate you, which the other ones did at one time or another. So there's good and bad, right? It's just different. You have all these ideas, all these concepts. And as we look at the Scripture today, you know, Paul probably, when he gave his life to Christ, thought his life was going to be a little different than how it was. He probably thought some places he would go and teach people would receive the gospel. He didn't, he didn't probably think everywhere I went, somebody's going to throw me out of town. And my life is going to be a constant battle from moving from one battle to another. And it's probably good that God didn't tell him all that, right? He just experiences it one day at a time. And you look back and you think, wow, look where I came through. All the stuff that's gone on in my life. And in Acts chapter 28, he starts to put those pieces together and we start to see what was it that... that drove Paul? What drove him? How did he face all that stuff that happened one day at a time? Because we don't want to become people who become hard-hearted as we look at the Scripture today. So, there's several things that I, that I hope to be able to show you. One is, he, he did everything he did through the power of God, not through his own power. And as he went through life, he held on to the promises of God. That he knew and believed to be true. And wherever he went, whatever situation he found himself in, he was looking for the plan of God. What's God want from this moment? Ultimately, what you see in his life is that Paul had a priority for God's purposes. And when he had a priority for God's purposes, it helped him be okay with being in a different place. Finding yourself in a something or a part of something that you that you didn't think was going to happen. When we look at Acts chapter 28, listen to what it says. It says, now, when they had escaped, they had found, they found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled the fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened onto his hand. Now when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, justice will not allow him to live. But he shook the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. And they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Well, in that region, there was an estate of a leading citizen of the island whose name was, was Publius, 
who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius was sick of a fever and dysentery. So Paul went into him and prayed. And he laid his hands on him and healed him. So when he was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. And they also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. Well, after three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers, which had wintered at the island. And the landing at Syracuse, <coughs> we stayed three days. And from there, we circled round and reached Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew. And the next day, we came to Putieli where we found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days. So we went toward Rome. And from there, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as the Appi Forum and the the three inns. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. Now when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who was guarding him. And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who when they had examined me, wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar Not that I had anything of which to accuse my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have called to you to see you and to speak with you. Because for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. Then they said to him, we neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think concerning this sect For we know it is spoken against everywhere. So when they had anointed him, or when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. But when they did not agree among themselves, (coughs) they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit rightly spoke through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and not understand. Seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed. Lest they would see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand and with their hearts turn so that I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation that God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. But Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented home and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God, teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ, With all confidence, no one forbidding Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just come before You this morning, Father, and we do ask, Lord, that our ears 
would not be withheld as a result of hard-heartedness. And our eyes would not be closed tight as a result of hard-heartedness. God, that we would have eyes and ears to hear and to see the things concerning Your Word. God, that we might make application and understanding the Scriptures that You are laying out for us this morning. Father, we ask that You would move in our midst and in our presence. We give You thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Yeah, sometimes you end up someplace different than what you thought. If Paul was on his way to Rome, he thought he was just going to take a boat. But last week we saw the boat shipwrecked. And he had to swim to the shore. And when he swam to the shore, the story today tells us that he's warming himself by a fire and picks up a pile of sticks and gets bit by a snake. You ever had one of those kind of days? I think I'm going here. I end up over there. This is not necessarily what was on my plan. And things keep moving from bad to worse. Hey, those days happen. Those days happen. Every year since I've been here around this time, God calls somebody home to have Christmas in heaven. Yesterday, God called Josie, uh, Marie Brush's mom, home. To be with Him for Christmas. And it's funny because whenever we, whenever we talk about that, you know, our hearts always break for the folks who are here. But she's in a great place. She loved the Lord. And she told me several times when I'd go visit her, Jackie, I don't know why God has not called me home yet. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Yesterday, she got her invitation. But I promise you, that wasn't on Marie and David's list of to-dos. A different, a different place than they thought they were going to be. Sometimes we find ourselves going to a place, things, events happen around us, and we are faced with a choice. We're faced with an opportunity. We are faced... With the decision, what are you going to do about that choice? Because every time it happens, you've got a couple of, of decisions you can make. You can, like Paul, have a priority for the purposes of God. And God will do incredible things in, through, and around it. Or you can, like the children of Israel, harden your heart. And then you won't be able to see. And you won't be able to hear. And you won't understand how it all fits in God's plan. Yeah, that's where where me and Kathy were, or you know, with Joe. I remember sitting down and asking God, God, you know, all those times I wasn't walking with you, I was a, a hedonist. I lived only to satisfy myself and my own desires. I didn't care about my family or nothing else. I put them through all kinds of heartache and I have perfectly fine sons. I'm walking with you. I'm reading your word. I'm doing all the stuff you asked me to do. And I have a child born with autism. I don't even really know what that means. He's still relatively young. He's probably about 10 or 11 at this time. You have worries and fears and stuff, right? But So I ask God, why? God don't always answer us. Especially when we have a bad attitude. He decided to answer me. He said, Jackie... Joseph is 
an exact representation of your relationship with me. What? Yeah, the Lord said, you know how sometimes, Joe, he's in his own world and he won't let you in. Sometimes you're like that with me. You're all wrapped up in your own world and you won't let me in. Oh. He says, sometimes, you know how when, when something goes wrong for Joe, he, he gets agitated or irritated about something and he just goes off and you can't, you can't get to him. He's just, he just has a tantrum. The Lord says, sometimes that's how you are with me. Well, something in your life don't go right. Something doesn't happen right. And you have this, this, this tantrum and I can't break through. And I said, oh. Then the Lord said, but you know, the other day, when Joe, for the first time ever, he come in and just sat down on your lap for no reason and looked at you and said, I love you, Dad. He said, do you remember how that felt? I said, yeah, Lord, I remember. That's how I feel when you talk to me. And all of a sudden, I begin to understand the purposes of God. Now, I'm not going to tell you I don't ever worry. Sure, I worry. I don't know what's going to happen. What happens when me and Kathy die? Who's going to take care of them? We can make all kinds of plans and ideas, but I know the purposes and plans and the power of God, and Joseph belongs to God. God will take care of him. I don't have to be afraid. See, when we start to have a priority for the purposes of God, we can find ourselves stepping away from being afraid of the circumstances and worried about the stuff that's happening, and we can start relying on His power and His promises and His plan. And that's what we see Paul doing. Just the other day, I was I was talking. Uh, uh, Joe heard me say we were talking over the computer. Me and Jason, and he was telling me that uh, uh, Danielle was sick, and Joe heard me. Joe's walking by, and he just says, "I want to pray. I want to pray for Miss Danielle." So he took the he took the headphones, and he and he prayed for her. Lord, I pray that you would touch Danielle, that she would get over her sickness and she'd be okay. In Jesus' name, amen. Hands back to me. Goes back to Payson. Hey, he's, he's God's kid. He's not perfect. He'll scare you every once in a while. You hang around Joe, I promise. <laughs> but if we have eyes to see God's purpose and we make that a priority, I'm going to see God's purpose. Then you start seeing the power of God. By the way, Danielle started feeling better after that prayer. Do we always understand the purposes of God? But if we make it a priority, it'll change our attitude and it'll change the way God moves and works in our life. We see it in Paul. Shipwrecked. Bit by a snake. i got every reason to pout, throw my pile of sticks on the ground, stomp my feet, scream and yell, sit down and say, that's it! I quit! God's people ever done that? Yeah, if you ever want to do a study in the Bible of who and God among God's people who have done that, it becomes a who's who. The who's who of the great men of God. Jeremiah. 
Elijah, David, more than once. But they found within themselves a priority for the purpose of God. A choice that says, as God dealt with them and as God spoke to them and as God moved around them to see God's purposes. People ask me all the time. They say crazy things. They'll come up with a, 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 I don't know, an idea, a concept of, uh, you know, well, what about this event? You know, so-and-so, when they were a child, were molested as a child. Oh, show me God's purpose in that. Okay. Well, I was 13 years old. I was molested. God's used that hurt in my life a hundred times to minister to other people who have gone through the same thing. If you want to have eyes to see the purposes of God, there's none, no event in your life that doesn't fit through which the power of God, the promises of God, and the plan of God won't work to bring about God's glory, goodness in your life, sense of fulfillment, because something that was a hurt or a tragedy in your life now becomes a, a, a means through which God is able to benefit someone else. That feels good, right? When we give someone something, when we help someone with something, when we say to somebody, I've been in that pit before and let me show you the way out. God redeems it all. But we have to be willing. That's what I love about Paul. You could not flatten this guy. This dude... the. History tells the guy was little. His name means little one. Among a traditionally group of small people, he was called the little one. What does that mean? So, so not a big fella. Not a big fella. His, his eyes had problems his whole life. You know, I tried to describe Paul physically one time as Marty Feldman, but nobody knows who he is. So they're like, oh, who's Marty Feldman? Well, I had a picture of him once, but I'm not going to do that. The point is, he was he didn't speak well. He wasn't known for his ability to speak. I don't care what you think. Scripture tells us he was teaching and talking about Jesus all the time. And, and he was doing so in the power of the Holy Spirit and always brought forth fruit. But it wasn't because he was a gifted orator. Ever. Barnabas was the gifted orator. That's what the Bible says. But Paul was called. That's a whole nother animal. Paul could not be, he's beaten, he's slapped, he's thrown out, he's kicked down. All this stuff, he could not get this guy down. You couldn't get him down. You shipwreck him, throw him on a beach, look what happens. Acts chapter 28, verse 1, we see the power of God. It says in in verse 2, they find themselves in verse 1 on Malta. Malta. It says, and the natives showed us unusual kindness. You guys, does your Bible say that, the natives? That is an unfortunate translation. It's not wrong. It's just unfortunate. Because when I say natives, what do you think of? You know, guys running around in loincloth with a spear, swinging from vines, natives. Or, you know, real natural people. (laughs) Maybe that's a nice way of saying it. That's what we think of when we think natives. The word is barbaro. In the Greek, the Greek, it was a... It was a term for people who spoke a different language. They didn't speak Greek. So they weren't quite as civilized as the Greek people. And, it, and they would say that their, their language sounded like bar, 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 bar. 
So those are bar bar barbaroi. Barbaroi. That was the word they would use for people who were less civilized than the Greeks, at least in their concept. We're going to see in a moment, there's a governor, that he's got a big nice house, he's got a Roman name. This is not like jungle. I've been to Malta. I stood on the beach where Paul crashed, where, where he had the fire. I've been to the place. And, and so there was civilization there. So natives is, is a, probably a term that may conjure up in our minds a picture that's not accurate. The picture that's accurate, these guys just weren't real Greek Greeks. You get what I'm saying? They were, they spoke a different language. They spoke Punic. They were Phoenician. But they had civilization. You know, they weren't living in huts. So, so when we look at it, it says, they showed us unusual kindness. Unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling because of the cold. So I want you to see, hurricane, wind, ship out on the rocks. The rocks are just off the shore. They're pretty close. So the ship's stuck on them rocks, getting banged up, pieces falling off, guys jumping over into the water, rain, wind, and they swim all the way up to the shore. They get up to the shore. And these people see this happening. And what would just about any guy do? We got, we got to do something for these guys. Right? I mean, every time we see some kind of global event happen, doesn't every once in a while you feel a little bit better about humanity when there's big earthquakes in, in uh, um, places? <sighs> anyway. And people go and help. Building falls down, but guys are there trying to pull people out or dig them out of the rubble. Right? You know what I'm saying? So this is unusual kindness. They build a fire, and the guys are swimming up. Now, I want you to picture. Guys are swimming up the shore. They lost everything. Everything's on a boat. The boat crunched, sunk. Nobody's got their suitcase, and is swimming to the shore. Right? You guys are with me, right? So all they got are the clothes they're wearing. They get to the shore, and Paul is so so strengthened by God, he looks around and they built a fire and he says, oh, I'm going to help. He doesn't say, wait a minute, I'm the apostle. I'm the guy who told you guys that God wasn't going to destroy the ship. And if you'd have listened to me, we wouldn't have got shipwrecked in the first place. He could have had that whole party, right? That whole pity thing and, and, and made a case for why he shouldn't have to do anything. He'd just sit down and you guys are a bunch of knuckleheads and you're getting what you deserve. No, he doesn't do that. He sees a need and he becomes a part of the solution to the need. Need more wood for the fire. So he goes and he scoops up a bunch of wood. He's wet, his clothes are tattered. He's had a rough day. They didn't eat for 14 days. He just ate a little while ago before he swam. He's tired, he's wet, he's cold. Picks up this big ball of sticks, walks over, throws it on a fire, and a viper snatches him and bites him and hangs from him for a second. Now, that is a bad day. Isn't it? Man, this is, a, this is a bad day. In fact, the, the natives look at him, the folks from Malta, they look at him and they think, oh, this guy's got to be bad. Isn't that what we think when something bad happens to somebody? Because bad stuff only happens to bad people, right? It doesn't ever happen to good people. He must be bad. I mean, because if, if, if he was a good person, he, he, he would not have got bit by a snake. But because he's probably a murderer, and that's what the text said, because he's a, probably a murderer, justice wouldn't let him live. Justice. Some of your Bibles, the word justice is capitalized. That's because it's the name of a goddess. One of the daughters of Zeus was called Justice. Or the daughters of Jupiter, depending if you're a Roman or Greek. You get the idea. 
But so they're saying that the goddess has taken him because he must have been bad. They're waiting for him to die, right? But what's Paul do? Oh, what's this hanging on my arm? What a drag. There's a snake hanging on my arm. Maybe he made a joke. Hey, what else could happen today? You know? He shakes his arm. The snake lets go, falls in a fire. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they had a snake. I've heard it's good. Haven't had it. Somebody wants to cook it, I'll eat it. Snake in the fire. The Bible tells us all those natives are staring at him. Look what it says. It says, however they, in verse 6, however they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. They're waiting for him to die. You ever wonder how sometimes people are watching the events that go around in your life? Maybe you're unjustly imprisoned. Maybe you're battling with cancer or some kind of illness. Maybe whatever you're going through in your life, the natives are gathering around watching and waiting for you to die. What happens if you don't? Or what happens if you do, but the attitude that you have through it all just is an opportunity for the power of God to be seen in somebody's life? Isn't that all that's happening here? They were watching Paul. What's he going to do? He should be dead any minute. It says, but after they looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said, he must be a god. Now, Paul really was not all that into popular opinion because there was a time earlier in his life when people said, ooh, a god. And the next thing they did is stone him. So you guys understand the pull of popular opinion swings radically. But what did it afford him? An opportunity to share about Jesus. You really think he wasn't telling people about Jesus on the ship in the storm? You don't think he was telling people about Jesus when he told them we're all going to make it? You don't think he was telling them about Jesus when they were on the shoreline and after that snake bit him? And you don't think he just kept going? I know he did. And it radically changed their view of him because of the next verse. Look at the next verse. All of a sudden they're taking Paul to the governor. So you tell me how this works. I am in a bus marked L.A. County Jail. For those of you who don't know, that's not Louisiana. It's Los Angeles. You see them occasionally in California. They're transferring people to county. And all of a sudden, the bus gets a flat tire. And they take us all off the bus. And then, you know, when they got us all off the bus... Somebody walks up and says, hey, I'd like to take this guy here over to the governor's house. Oh yeah, let's go. Do you understand the ridiculousness of what's happening? Because we we read the Bible, we get full of this um, holy speak, and we forget the craziness of the story. You got Paul, a prisoner of Rome, chained to a Roman guard... He, he, he's bit by a snake. It doesn't die. The people are blown away by his witness and the story of Jesus that he's been telling them. So they invite him to the governor's house and they go. They take him. Paul and his buddies, the word says us. It's possible all 276 people from the ship went. 
But that might be a lot of house guests, don't you think? I mean, even for a guy with a big house. Certainly Paul, Luke, because it says us, Luke must be there. He wrote it. So you got Luke and Paul, maybe the centurion, maybe it's Julius that goes, maybe some of the Roman soldiers want to hear what he has to say. And he's entertained by the governor for three days. Uh, That's just kind of radical, isn't it? The prisoner entertained by the governor of Malta for three days. Well, look what happens. In that region, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father, Publius, lay sick of a fever and dysentery. So Paul went into him. So three days he's there hanging out. He's made it a priority, right? To see the purposes of God in his life and not to focus on all the hardship and the hassle. So what we see as a result, the power of God working in his life with the power of God. He gets bit by a snake. It doesn't kill him. It gives him an opportunity to witness. Just like when some crazy thing happens in our life and we don't get freaked out by the event, but rather we consider it part of the purpose of God and God empowers us by His power to make a witness of that. That's, that's Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8 says, For when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power to be His witnesses. So that means the power of God's already there. You may not get bit by a snake. But when we don't crumble, we get an opportunity to witness. Wow. Paul, he he has a chance. He's there in his house for three days. He's sharing the prisoner. Gosh, it just blows my mind. It gets crazier, but it just still blows my mind. And so he goes into to Publius' father. Now, his father has Malta fever. Malta fever is from the goats in Malta. There's, a, there's a, something that they pick up in the, in the food source there in Malta that gets into the milk of the goats. And when, when you drink the milk of the goats, it's possible for some people to get Malta fever, which is the exact fever that the Bible is describing here that Publius' dad has. And it's possible to die from it. If you don't have the right kind of treatment, people would die from Malta fever. So, so, so Paul goes down and he sees this, this going on. And I love what he does because God just wrecks the opportunity for us to put these events in a box. Wouldn't we like a box? I mean, let's be honest. I want a box. Lord, what do I do for a blind man to help him see? Lord, give me the box. What's the rules? Well, good luck. Go through the scripture. Look what Jesus did. Some of them will get you punched. He, he touched a blind man. He speak to words. Blind man be healed. He spit on the ground and made mud and rubbed it in his eyes and healed a guy. He don't give us a box. Why? Because he don't want you to start making rules that this is how you heal somebody. He wants you to rely on the power of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 tells us that the power of God to heal is given in your life by the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit wants to heal somebody. There's no list of requirements. It's just living your life for the purposes of God and giving yourself the opportunity for God to empower you in that way. So look what Paul does. It says he prayed and then he laid hands on him. Hey, that's not the way we do it. I mean, usually we lay hands on them and then we pray. Well, Paul does this just to mess with the box. 
Well, I'm going to pray first. Lord, this guy's sick. What should I do? And the Lord impresses on his spirit. Heal him. So Paul lays hands on him. Look what it says. It says he, he, Paul went into him and prayed and he laid on his hands. He laid his hands on him and he was healed. Now this is what I love about the gift of healing in the Bible. This is not what we see in the gift of healing today um, because I don't think we, we, we live by the book like we ought to. When we read a book, when somebody had a gift of healing and people brought their sick to him, what happened? He healed them. They healed them too. How many times did Jesus do a healing and they brought people to him and then he healed them all? Happened over and over and over again. How many times Peter, it said Peter would be walking and his shadow would fall on somebody. Paul, the, the thing that he used to wipe off the sweat. They would take that and lay it on a sick person and he'd be healed. God did some pretty radical stuff, right? So, he heals them. And then all the people of Malta hear, okay, the dude that was shipwrecked that swam up on shore that grabbed them sticks and the snake bit him and he didn't die, he went over to Publius' house and he prayed for his dad. And when he touched him, he was healed. He's okay now. So they all bring the sick. They all come to see Paul. who shows them the power of God working through a man who chooses to see his life in terms of God's purpose. Wow. And they were healed, it says. It doesn't say, and they made excuses about they didn't have no faith. It doesn't say anything. It just says they were healed. God moved in a miraculous way and did incredible things through this man who wanted to see the purpose of God in his life and didn't use the different things that happened in his life as an excuse to be mad at God. He just made himself a vessel for God to use. And God brought his power. The power of God flowed through him. So what happened? He heals all these guys, the scripture tells us. They also honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. So... Paul's there for three months. I'm going to tell you what history tells us happened. History tells us that every person on the island got saved. Every person. History tells us that that Publius became the first bishop of Malta. And later on, he became the bishop of Athens. And when he was the bishop of Athens, he was put to death. He was martyred for his faith. Wouldn't it be just like God... To say, look, there's an island out here in it. And I need to get somebody to that island. So while Paul's on this journey to Rome, I'm going to shipwreck him. I'm going to land him up on the shore. He's going to get bit by a snake. But that's going to help the people kind of be tuned in to what he has to say. And then he's going to share with them. I'm going to work. I'm going to give him my power so he can do some healing and stuff there on the city. And we're going to get those folks saved. Everybody got saved. It wasn't his destination. You get what I'm saying? But you remember... Last time we talked about that concept. We talked about that concept. Sometimes we're really focused on the destination. God is really focused on the process. We got to have eyes to see the purposes of God and all the things that we do. So what happened? They're there for three months. They're going to leave. They get on the ship, it says. They provided them everything that they needed. Everything that they needed. Remember, they didn't have nothing. They didn't have nothing. He gave everything that they had in need of. After three months, we sailed in an Alexandrian ship 
whose figurehead was the twin brothers which had wintered on the island. So it's a big place, right? There's another ship there. Landing at Syracuse, we stayed three days, and from there we circled around and reached Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew, and the next day we came to Puteoli, where we found brethren, and were invited to stay with them seven days, and so we went toward Rome. Now we read that, and we don't think about the amazingness of that. So let's just put it in today's terms. You remember the bus on the way to L.A. County that stopped and then went to the governor's house with Paul and a few guys? Now, a little ways further down the freeway, they pull off and there's a church there. And the church comes out to the bus and says, Hey man, we know, we know this, this guy Paul. How about you guys just hang out and stay with us for seven days? And the people on the bus say, Okay. When does that ever happen? You, we, we get our minds so off track of the amazing things that we're reading in Scripture, and we just go, oh, yeah, and then they stay there seven days. Wow. Do you not understand? They're on a prison boat. They stop in the bay from which they're going to walk about 140 miles so that they can get all the way to Rome. But before they take off, these guys from church show up and say, oh, man, Paul's here. We're so stoked that Paul's here. Won't you stay with us seven days? And a Roman centurion says, yeah. Yeah, let's hang out. That never happened. But you see, when you're, when you have yourself focused on your life meeting the purpose of God, and you see the power of God working in your life, you always also will see that you'll have eyes and those around you to see the plan of God. And to hold on to the promises of God. Paul had wrote in Romans chapter 8, some four years earlier, well, we know all things work together for good to those who are the called according to God's purposes. Paul wrote that. Now he's experiencing the fulfillment of, of God's promises. Man, every time he turns around, he's getting encouraged. He hangs out with the church for seven days. For seven days. They're good. Then look what it says. Not only did they stay there seven days, but it says, and afterward... <clears throat> When the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as the Appi Forum. So the Appi Forum is about 40, 50 miles outside of Rome. So the church in Rome heard that Paul was coming in chains, chained up. And the prison guys, they're all wearing orange. They're chained to each other. They're on their way walking to Rome. And so the church in Rome hears about it. They walk 40 or 50 miles out to meet Paul. And then when they come, they're like, oh, woo, Paul, yeah. And then they kind of huddle up around him and they walk him into the city. This, this parade of people coming to greet him. It says, when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. And then, when they came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But, but, Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with the soldier who guarded him. Yeah, that happens, right? On your way to prison, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna take you to prison, Paul. You're gonna rent your own place. That's what they do. And, and just in an effort to spread the gospel all around the Roman legion, we're gonna chain a guard to you 24 hours a day. Yeah, you know Paul could talk for a long time, right? He once preached all the way to midnight. Remember? A fellow fell asleep, fell out the window and died. You remember what he did? They didn't end the service. He went down, laid hands on him, raised him from the dead, went back up and kept preaching till the morning. 
24 hours, talking about Jesus, explaining Him in the Scripture, showing Him to the people. And now you got a dude chained to Him. Man, you think He was not like Paul's in seventh heaven. The purposes, seeing the purposes of God in your life, change your attitude about the position that you're in. You see the power of God, the promise of God, the plan of God are working all around you. God doing amazing, incredible, crazy stuff. That came to pass after three days. Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So when they had come together, he said to them, Men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem to the hands of Romans, who when they had examined me, wanted to let me go because there was no cause of putting me to death. But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Not that I had any uh, anything of which to accuse our nation, But for this reason, therefore, I have called for you to see you and to speak with you because of the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. So he's three days in his new apartment. By the way, where did he get the money for it? You you don't really think the Romans are paying for his place to stay. Now, as much as I'd like to say that that's the crazy part of the story, I don't think so. I I think the folks from Malta gave him that much. I think they gave him enough. He didn't have nothing. And I think the churches, we know Philippi sent money, we know Thessalonica sent money, and I bet Galatia and some of the other churches that he planted, they, in those areas, they began to send Paul money for comfort because to, to take care of himself. Because the Rome's not going to do it. They'll leave you starve. Then they don't have to go to court. Two years. What's two years' rent? In Rome. They took care of him. What's the first thing Paul does every city he comes to? He goes to who first? The Jews. Well, he can't leave, so what does he do? He sends the Jews a message in Rome, and he says, Hey guys, this is why I'm here, and I want to tell you about the hope of Israel. That's the Messiah. I want to tell you about the Messiah. The Messiah has come, and I want to show him to you. And so he reaches out to them, and they come. They come to him. Look what it says. It says that, <clears throat> but when the, but, uh, bidi, 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 bidi. then they told him, We neither received letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who have reported or spoken any evil of you. But we want to hear from you what you think concerning this sect. What's he talking about? Christianity. We know that it is spoken against everywhere. So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained and solemnly testified to the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. Jackie, you go too long. It's like an hour and ten minutes all the time. Somebody shut that guy up. Don't he know in church you're only supposed to talk for 30 minutes so we can get to lunch. Sorry, I'm not going to do it. I'm not as bad as Paul. Paul went from the morning to the evening. You're just going to go like ten more minutes. You'll make it. Man, he went a long time. What is he telling him about Jesus? Where was he telling him about Jesus from? The Law and the Prophets, first five books. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Least read books in every Christian's library and the most fraught with scriptures that talk about Jesus. You know when Jesus was 40 days in in fasting in the wilderness and the devil came to him, you know what book he quoted from? Deuteronomy. Three times. Wow. You don't say Yeah, you know that whole scripture, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God? That's Deuteronomy, chapter 8. 
He quoted from Deuteronomy because they talk about Jesus all over the law. What about the prophets? Oh my gosh, the prophets got all kinds of things to say about them. Isaiah is amazing. Isaiah 53, Isaiah 54, Isaiah 55. You go Isaiah throughout the 40s, 48. You go to Psalm 22. You go to um, multiple places in Jeremiah. Well, he's talking over and over and over again, pointing to Messiah, telling them about him, showing them through the Scripture. We think that they used this Bible. They didn't have this much. They had this much. That Old Testament. Paul wasn't done writing the New Testament yet. There was a few of, of his books out there, but for the most part, he used the Old Testament. The Septuagint, which, by the way, was translated into Greek in 270 B.C. and was the Bible that Jesus used. That's the one he was teaching them from. And he showed them. And he showed them in the Scriptures. He wants them to see all the things that the Scripture talk about him. Now, I messed up and I turned my Bible. I don't have the Acts open. Let's try it again. So he, he showed them. Look, it, Scripture tells us. It says, so he told them from morning till evening. And then it says, and some were persuaded by the things that were spoken, but some disbelieved. That happened everywhere he went, right? Some people believe, some people don't. He goes on. So, when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had one more thing to say. As Paul's sitting there and he's choosing, right? He's choosing to see the purposes of God, even though he's chained to a Roman soldier. It's kind of a hassle. But there's a good side. He's renting his own place. He can't, he doesn't have the freedom to go outside, but he's got the freedom to bring people in. So he's, he's choosing to have a priority to see the purposes of God. The power of God's working, the promises of God, he sees the plan of God. The Lord opens his eyes to Isaiah chapter 6. And he goes, oh man, now I understand Isaiah 6. And he shares it with him. Go to this people and say, hearing you will hear and will not understand. Seeing you will see and shall not perceive. The Hebrew people didn't believe that understanding came from your mind. They believed that understanding came from your heart. Understanding was a heart issue, not a head issue. And when the circumstances in our life lead us to a place that we don't want to see the purpose of God in our life, and we're angry about our son with autism, or we're angry about the disease that I'm going through, or we're angry about the fact that I lost a job, or we're bitter about the events that have happened in our life, Our heart gets hard, and then you can't see or hear from God. That's what Isaiah 6 said. There's nothing wrong with their eyes and their ears. They work. You get what I'm saying? They could see, but they couldn't understand. Their hearts broke. They could hear, but they couldn't understand. The hearts broke. In fact, look what he says. For the hearts of this people have grown dull, hard. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes they have closed. Please notice it does not say God hardened their heart. It does not say God closed their eyes. It does not say God stopped their ears. It says they have allowed the circumstances of their life to irritate them and make them angry. You've heard it said when something happens in your life... Two choices. You can get better or you can get bitter. And if you get bitter, your heart gets hard and your eyes get dull and your ears get deaf. And you don't hear from God or see God. 
That's what was going on with the nation of Israel. I was in Israel. I was in Galilee. I was, I was actually having a great trip through Israel, going through Israel, seeing some really cool stuff. Went through Petra, bought a, 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 lot, a lot of neat things that we got an opportunity to see. And I'm just kind of rejoicing and I'm around the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And I got my guitar and I'm just going to go, I'm, I'm, I'm actually in a kind of a dark place. And I'm just going to play my guitar. You know, nobody's there. It should be cool. But I didn't know when I start playing my guitar, they have a street fair. That just kind of pops up around me. All these things open up and all of a sudden people are everywhere. And I felt kind of guilty because I'm sitting there playing worship and people would walk by and throw coins into my guitar case. And I go, wait, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not, okay. You know, I, I couldn't explain it to them. I don't do very good Hebrew. So they just look at me like I was a crazy person. So I'll, I'll just keep singing. So I'm saying some young kids come up and we start talking and, and so they're, they like the music. So they're like, wow, that's a cool song. Let me show you one. Now they're not singing Jesus loves me stuff. They're just whatever songs they like. So they take my guitar and they're playing and we're not fighting about what kind of music or it is or it isn't. All we're doing is connecting. Right? See the purposes of God. So we're connecting and we're talking. And next thing you know, why are you here? What are you doing in Israel? And well, you know, I, I don't know. I was coming for a Holy Land tour. And they said, well, aren't you afraid? Oh, man, I ain't afraid. Man, I, this is God's promised land. And they're like, oh, don't give us the whole promised land. God's favorite people deal. Have you ever looked at our history? I mean, God, we've been hammered and beaten and thrown out everywhere. And everybody hates us. We're not God's favorite nothing. Two choices, right? Bitter. Better see the purposes of God or grow hard-hearted. So I said to them, well, what's the biggest deal? What's the biggest problem facing you guys today? And they said, well, you know, it's not really terrorism or bombers. The biggest problem is water. The only source of fresh water in Israel is the Sea of Galilee, and we're in a drought. And if we run out of fresh water, none of the people around us are going to give us water. And I told him, I says, well, you see, man, you, you guys, the Bible talks about the fact that God will take care of you, that God will give you the water that you need. But I said, when the clouds come and the rain falls, you can turn to the heavens and thank the clouds, or you can turn to the heavens and thank God. The choice is up to you. I went my way. They went their way. The next day, it poured poured i mean freakishly poured and all i could think about was man i wish i knew where those guys are right now (laughs) i wish i knew where they are right now see if we have a hard heart we can't see the fingerprint of god in our life all we can see is the disappointment but we can't see the fingerprint of god god's fingerprints all over our lives God's purposes are happening all around us. Sometimes God's purpose is for you. Sometimes God's purpose is for somebody else. But it doesn't change it from being God's purpose, working and moving and shaping. If we'll see it. So Paul said to him, man, you guys, you don't want to hear. God promised to give them a flesh, a heart of flesh. They turned to him. They don't want to turn to him. So the heart stays hard. Heart stays hard. What did Paul say? He said, therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles and they will hear it. That's why we're all here. Because it kept going. 
more than 2,000 years later. Isn't that just a little crazy? A guy who never left his hometown, was never a ruler, only ministered for three years, and was put to death. Why do we still talk about him? Why do people still use his name as a curse word? What is all this stuff about him? You throw Jesus out there, he will make a dividing rod, right? You're either for him or against him. Yeah? It says when the Jews left, they spent all their time arguing with each other. Look, it said when they, when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute. They're fighting over it. We think Jesus come to bring peace. He didn't come to bring peace. You gotta make a choice. But, didn't the angels, when they came, didn't they sing peace to you? Goodwill toward men? When they sang when Jesus was born? Yeah, peace was in the manger. You don't know that? That was the prince of what? Yeah. Peace. That's peace. Peace is in Christ. If everybody's not in Christ, there's not ever going to be peace. That's the only place you're going to find peace. In Him. You throw Jesus' name some places you can't even speak His name. Used to pray for town council meetings back in California, and we'd end the prayer every time in the name of Jesus. And eventually they came and told us, you can't say that no more. So a bunch of churches said, we're not going to pray no more then. And I just said, I'm smarter than that lawyer. Yeah, I know his name in Hebrew. I know his name in the Son of the Most High. To the, the Mashiach Nagid. Now, there's a lot of ways I can say Jesus' name. So I just kept praying in His name. They just don't know I'm saying it. It's hilarious. But it's man's rule, right? Oh, Jesus is divides. He divides. we got to pick. I'm going to stand with Him. I'm not standing with nobody else. I'm standing with Jesus. He is the main thing, the only thing. It's it. Jesus. Period. Well, look what happens. It says, Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God, teaching the things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ, with all confidence, no one forbidding. For two years he ran his own private teaching firm out of a a rental that he could never leave. He wrote four books, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. During this imprisonment. And he continued to teach the, the, the guys that were chained to him. He gets to Rome in Nero's seventh year, 61 AD. In 68 AD, seven years later, they take his head. What happened and all that, we're not really sure. Some people think he went to Spain for a while and then he came back to Rome. And then Nero had his crazy phase where he burned Rome and he took the head of Paul. They say Nero first took the head of Paul and then he went crazy. Put him in the Mamertine prison after that. He was no longer in a rental at that point. But while he had the freedom, he would teach anybody who came to him. Look what Philippians chapter 1 verse 12 and 13 say. Two more verses and we're out of here. Listen. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. 
Can you believe that? Shipwrecked. Bit by a snake. Imprisoned for two years. Can't leave his house. Ultimately beheaded. The things that happened to me happened for the furtherance of the gospel. He had a priority for the purpose of God. That's why you see the power of God in his life. Him clinging to the promises, seeing the plan. That's why you see it. That's why it's there. That's why that's going on in his life. So it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest. My chains are in Christ. Why was he in chains? Because Christ wanted him in chains. It gave him opportunity. Oh, you're kidding me. That's craziness. Look, have eyes to see, man. You guys heard of Nero, right? What's Nero's wife's name? Did Nero's wife have any value? What about Nero's wife's... What about Nero's mother-in-law? Was she matter? I got an idea. Can you just walk right in and talk to people? Like, can we get into the Oval Office and talk to President Obama? No. Oh, but God created a unique circumstance for Paul. And he put, like, the Marine guards that are there guarding all the estate for the, for the president. He chained Marine guards to him. So everywhere they were with him for 24 hours. Then they left him and they went around freely around the house. They talked to the president. They hang out with the Mrs. President and Mr. President and the little, little, Kid presidents, all the stuff. God orchestrated an event in Paul's life that caused the palace guard to get saved. That led to Nero's wife getting saved. And her mom. I know that because history tells us Some of the first people Nero killed when he went crazy was his wife and his mother-in-law because they professed Christ. Where did they learn about Christ? Palace guard? Maybe Paul himself. His chains were in Christ. God used them. Philippians 4.22 All the saints greet you, but especially those who are in Caesar's own household. Man! Look. We gotta get perspective. Because a lot of times, especially this time of year, we can lose perspective. We need some perspective. Pastor Saeed, his chains are in Christ. And people are getting saved where he is that'll never get saved any other way. That don't stop me from remembering him as though chained beside him and praying for him. God tells us to do that. But his chains are in Christ. The events that have happened in your life and in my life. I don't care what they are. If you belong to Jesus, they are in Christ. And He redeems them. And He uses them to further the gospel. To change people's lives. If we're willing. Or we can be hard-hearted. And that book won't make no sense. And that stuff I say is gobbledygook. And it, it, it can't penetrate. It can't penetrate. The Lord says, you come to me. You who are hard-hearted. And I'll give you a heart of flesh. I can change your heart. 
You just got to want it changed. And your eyes will work. And your ears will work. And you can begin to see your life in terms of God's purpose all around you. And that day, folks, things radically change. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank You for this time we can come before You. Thank You for the study in Your Word and the close of the book of Acts. Lord, just raising the question, Lord Jesus, are we focused on the purposes of God? Do we experience the power of God in our life? Do we cling to the promises of God? Can we see the plant? If we don't, it means... Our eyes are closed. Our ears are dull. Our heart is hard. But if if I have eyes to see and ears to hear, won't I see the power of God in my life? Won't I hear the promises of God and the plan of God? Won't I see God work in the circumstances around me? God, I just pray that You would work in our lives. This morning, God, that You would just penetrate our hearts, soften our hearts, Lord, that we would see, that we not get bitter at You because of our circumstances, because of our problems, because of the things we go through. Instead, we see it all as a purpose of God moving in our life. We may not always understand what that purpose does, but we can rest in the fact that it accomplishes what God is sending it to accomplish. God, I just want to I want to live that way. I don't want to live by fear in Joseph's future. I want to live by hope in the power of God. So I choose to see God's purpose in everything. God, I want to see your purpose in his life. I want to see your purpose in my life. I want to see your purpose in, in, the, in the body at Calvary Chapel Buell. We have people hurting today. People who have folks every Christmas comes around and their hearts break for those who aren't with them anymore. God, I pray they just see your purpose, the opportunities around them. They live by your power. God, that they would be like Paul. You can't quench the fire. They're just always bouncing back. God, I pray that we would be that kind of people that we might impact our community. That those who are hungry can be fed. That those who need clothed can be clothed. That it's not about what it costs us. It's about just the opportunity to be able to share the love of Christ with another human being in a very practical sense. Lord, we pray that You would be glorified in this place, Lord. And if there's anybody here today, they don't know You. And I pray, Lord, they make the decision, the choice to come to You and receive the purpose for which their life seems to be lacking. That they might receive the redemption of Jesus Christ for You redeem all things, Lord God, good, bad, and ugly. Lord, You are able to do abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. In fact, You give us beauty for ashes. The oil of joy 
or spirit of heaviness. Lord God, we just pray that you would do this work in our hearts and lives, God, as we look to you, that we might live for you every day, every season, every opportunity. We bring you glory in Jesus' name. Amen.